folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome, everyone. And last week we did our first uh, apologetic um, podcast, and we addressed a couple subjects that it would usually you would hear on on things like Catholic Answers and EW, all the EWTN stations. And let's face it, you hear it over and over again, and you hear the same answers over and over again. We tried to go a little bit deeper than that. And then uh, what you didn't hear is that we also addressed the subject of prayer to the saints. And um, I wasn't we did it kind of at poorly. all happy to it. We kind of, <laughs> we kind of floundered a little bit. We rambled it, yeah. Yeah, and I don't like so we're gonna an give that answer one a out there dive. that's... Not good. Uh, yeah. If it if it doesn't make sense to me, then I'm not going to say it. So I cut that out, and we're going to try that again this week. So with prayers to the saints, there's there's kind of three subjects. Um, first of all, there's quote summoning the dead, which is forbidden in the Old Testament, and it, it is forbidden forbidden by Catholic law. Or yeah, for, yeah. by Catholic teaching, use of, use of mediums and, and bed, practices bed. of necromancy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, second of all, there's prayer to a saint instead of God. So Protestants will often uh, equate the idea that of intercession. To saints. Yeah, right. The idea that that if if the 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 oft repeated phrases that Christ is the one mediator. Well, if that's the case, then we should never be going to anyone else for prayer other than Christ himself. We should never invoke the intercession of anybody other than right. Christ according to the Protestant mindset. Yeah. So that's the second thing. And then this kind of cancels the other one out. This is uh, graven images because we have pictures of saints and often we, we will pray at a statue or a picture of a saint now, if mm-hmm. if you believe that we're worshiping them, then it is a graven image. If we're not worshiping them, it doesn't really matter, you know. Right. It's, By the it's way, only a graven image if you're worshiping it. Um, quick, quick side note: have Have you ever seen Patrick Madrid speak? Have I seen Patrick Madrid? Patrick, you know who Patrick Madrid is. I know Catholic, who he is. Uh, yeah, speaker. Okay, yeah, uh, very strong about about biblical and that kind of stuff. Anyway, he, he, I, I, my wife and I were watching him speak. We, he was in Indianapolis, um, this was years ago. And, uh, this was a long time ago. But anyway, we went to see him speak and (laughs) he was just talking about an episode where he was with a buddy and they passed a, uh, a Lord's Grotto that had, uh, the Blessed Mother and the children on their knees praying the rosary in front of the Blessed Mother. He said, isn't Catholicism great? Not only do we have our, not only do we pray to statues, but we have statues that pray to statues. <laughs> That's good. Anyway, whenever, t- whenever we talk about praying to statues, I think of that. Hold on. So what do you, uh, okay, okay, so summoning the dead. What do you want to deal with first? Summoning okay. the Necromancy. dead. Necromancy. I, I can kind of see, I can see the logic and, and a lot of times, if you bring this up to a Catholic, they will say, 
things like we're not praying to the saints, we're praying through the saints. We're talking to God through the saints, or maybe we're worshiping through the saints. We're not specifically uh, praying to them. And I just, I don't buy that because, you know, today I lost my uh, Allen wrench and the whole time I'm walking around going, Tony, Tony, look around. And I was talking specifically to Aunt St. Anthony, asking him to help me find a, a wrench. Yeah, kind of giving those those um, those those uh, excuses you said it, it it grants too much to the Protestant argument. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we talk to saints and and we consider them right there with us that we can talk to. Now, it's in a sense, it's through God that our communication to the saints occur because it's by the grace of God and by the fact that we are one in Jesus Christ, who is the one mediator, that we're able to talk to the saints, that we're able to communicate to them, you know, as though they were right here yeah. uh, visibly in front of us. So it's not um, like we're talking to God through the saints. We're talking to the saints through God. That would be more right, accurate. Right, in a sense. Yeah, that that's right. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, you know, the, even in the modern community of saints that, that we, that allows us to do that and that allows us to do it with so much, um, ease, that's not entirely, um, missing from the Old Testament either. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, First of all, we, we see a few cases where the prayers to, uh, the dead are, or the invocation of the dead, um, are commended. Now here's the problem for Protestants. The various books that have those, and I'm talking about books like Baruch, books like, uh, Maccabees. Yeah. Um, well, the Protestants kind of ripped those out of their Bible. And here's the thing. They ripped them out of the Bible because of their support for those things that the Protestants no longer wanted to support. Yeah. So it's like they had the Bible that had been, you know, the same Bible for hundreds of years uh, and had been long established as part of the canon and accepted by the entire universal church as both inspired and canonical. But then they come up with their heretical doctrines and they see those doctrines contradicted in these books of the Bible. And so they say, oh, you know what? That's not part of our Bible. Now, it wasn't quite that simplistic, but it was almost that simplistic in, in historically in terms of how it happened. It did. Yeah, it did happen. So, and so the result is that when you want to find an Old Testament uh, verse for the sake of this argument, it's not there, so we have to argue at it from a different direction. However, but that's, there's still some that's more still possible. Old, there's still some more Old Testament stuff, though, because, for example, um, we see in Jeremiah uh, that God Himself tells Jeremiah that Moses and Samuel were interceding before Him on behalf of the Israelites. And, you know, God, well, God basically said, look, you know, even though Moses and Samuel have been here praying for you guys, because <laughs> they're with him, I, not quite with, they don't have the beatific vision yet, but even though they've been here praying 
to me for you guys. I'm you're Israel has gone so bad that I have to chastise them and and you know that whole thing. And so in Tobit, in, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah fifteen, um, fifteen one, yeah. So right at the beginning of 15. Okay, well, let's read that real quick. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to this people. Ah, that's not how my... Because the one I read, a little bit different than that, even though Moses and Samuel do stand before me. Yeah, let's get is it. Is how a, I had read it. Let's get a good Bible. Thank on it. Yeah, it depends on the Bible, I suppose. Hold on. Uh, so I so I've got the the revised standard version Catholic edition. Then the Lord, which is considered to be, I think, the most scholarly modern English Catholic edition. You know, you know, like like for study, not not just inspirational reading. And it has it. Then the Lord said to me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn towards this people. Send them out of my sight and let them go. Um, but that's not all. Okay. Because we also have Tobit. Let me see if I can find Tobit in they, here. Do they accept? They don't. They don't like Tobit, do they? Is Tobit one of the ones that the uh, that they ripped out? Yeah. Okay. That because it's not in this King James version. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, that's another one that they tore out because it it shows things that the Protestants don't like to. Uh, admit um but basically raphael says that he carries the prayers of the saints to god so there is some kind of interaction and at this time i mean well i I don't know what are all of the dead which we have to get into this in a minute but are are Mm -hmm. are there any is there anyone in heaven throughout the old testament there's no one in heaven but Here's here. There's no one in heaven in the sense of the beatific vi- vision. Okay. Because that b- before the death of Christ on the cross, nobody could enter into the beatific vision. Okay. Now let me ask you this: So Daniel's one that the that the Protestants accept, right? Uh, parts of it. Parts of Daniel, really? Like they they got rid of? Did they get rid of the uh, the uh, prayer of the young men in the furnace? Or do they probably renumber the chapters, don't they? Yeah, so if we looked at... So what um, what is chapter... Go to like chapter 3 starting at verse 28. What is that for the Protestants? What's the point? You said, is there anyone in heaven in the Old Testament during the time of the Old Testament? The answer is no. Briefly, nobody could enter into the beatific vision until Christ died on the cross. However... There is actually a Old Testament concept of sainthood. Um, it, it sort of, kind of. It refers to some people when they die as being asleep with their fathers rather than just merely dead. And then other people as being dead. There's a distinction made. And that would be different than in the bosom of Abraham? Well, asleep with his fathers is what Jesus later refers to as the bosom of Abraham. That's my okay. point, is the Old Testament already recognizes and establishes a concept of a differentiation of, of you know, the, the okay, position so the, of dead the, people. The souls who have died, um, and 
the, I, before Jesus, there's only two places you could go. You could go to hell or you could Hades, go to right. the bosom of Abraham. Abraham, which we often refer to as Shoal. Yeah. Asleep with the fathers. Asleep with um, their fathers, bosom of Abraham, Shoal. We modernly call it the limbo of the patriarchs. Okay. So, but even I guess the, the Old point Testament there is, is that they, that they are That's dead, point. but um, they're not necessarily active. I mean, not we've got we, we've got we've got a couple instances where they're kind of mentioned, and depending on the language, could be said to have been in some sort of communication with. But it's not just right, that because right. um, Jesus, while he's on Earth, and these souls are still in the bosom of Abraham, and yet what does Jesus do? Jesus is talking to them. Yeah. They they appear to Jesus, um, Elijah and, and, and Moses, wasn't it? And I thought... Um, you know what's funny is, how did Peter recognize Elijah and Moses? <laughs> yeah, he knew who all of them were. And Jesus even says, Jesus uses this to... Um, to refute the Sadducees. He said, um, oh, I forget who he wrote, but somebody, uh, refers to God as the God of Abraham and the God of Moses. And Jesus said, God is the, the, you know, the father is the God of the living, not of the dead. Therefore, right. Abraham and Moses are living. And so he right. even makes that point directly. So even, even before the resurrection, we know that they are alive. However, yeah. there are these verses that forbid men to summon them or talk to them. But I will say that it these verses necromancy. are always linked to sorcery and magic. Yeah. It, it, every time fact, it's mentioned, it's linked to magic. It, yeah. It, it never forbids any of these things. In, in a way that isn't linked to magic. That's the thing. And in fact, what's even more interesting is that rather than forbidding the action, although, I mean, the action is clearly forbidden, the Israelites are not supposed to become mediums or necromancers and so forth, but the actual command is to not have any dealings with mediums. Don't use mediums or necromancers and don't summon the dead as a way of trying to find out the future and stuff like that. It's always the, the, the prohibition is always linked to magic. It, even in that time before the resurrection, I would imagine that if you're, uh, I don't know, you, you've been married for 20 years, your wife dies, and you're trying to get along in the world after that, and one day you sit down at her grave and begin talking to her, you're not breaking the commandment right then. Right. Exactly. That That's the point. In fact, I mean, m most of these had to do with trying to summon you know, and, and especially summoning for the purpose of gaining hidden yeah, knowledge and, and stuff like that. There's always personal gain there, and it's always sinister, or at least that right. whenever they, uh, whenever the Bible talks about someone who does it, it's always sinister. For example, um, what's his name? Saul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, summoned had, Samuel using the witch so of Endor. He's, he summoned Sam. Did he use a medium? Yeah, the Witch of Endor. He 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 actually oh. disguised himself to go see her. Okay, so he goes and sees so, her. So she and... summons Samuel, who raises up out of the ground. I mean, not not you know his body, but his spirit comes up out of the ground, and his spirit says, 
why have you summoned me? God already said that he's displeased with you and he's going to replace you and that you're going to die along with your sons. <laughs> you got to wonder, was he was he like fooling himself into thinking I could magically get out of this or did he not believe in God? No, or... it's that he he was he he was being embattled. I mean that you know his his enemies were defeating him and he was scared about the next battle and God wasn't talking to him. I mean you know, look, okay. if, if you read David, during David's kingship, David would go to the Lord and ask him things and God would just talk back to him. They would say, hey, Wouldn't that be cool? you know, I know, should, should I do battle against these Philistines? Uh, yeah, am I going to win? And God would say, yeah, go, <laughs> go do battle. I'll deliver them into your hand. Go beat their butts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but God had stopped talking to Saul. And, and even, even I think all along, I think God had mostly spoken to Saul through Samuel, but Saul could get no indication from God what he was supposed to do. Of course, Samuel had already told Saul, you're done as a king. And he's not looking, he's not looking to please God. He's looking to protect himself. Save himself. Right. Exactly. That's, that's what he wanted. And so, which is not what Catholics do. Well, not what right. We're well, I mean, to sometimes do. we do, you know. But I guess, you know, like when we pray to Saint Anthony, it's like, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I really want this. Just tell me, I never did find the Allen wrench. I, oh. It's gone. It's a, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's my metric set but, is know, now incomplete. I have to buy another one. There's always that. That uh, I mean, we we pray to the saints, but we our sense is that we glorify them by doing so, and not glorify them in themselves, but glorify their exceptional and exemplary um, life of virtue and closeness to God. Right. So even so we, we ask certain saints for certain favors and we do so almost non-thinkingly sometimes that you know it's just kind of kind of rolls off of our tongues a lot of times. But even in that it's 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 just because it's so heavily imbued us that the saints are the ones that we need to stay close to and rely on things because we need to emulate them because we need to grow close to God the way they were close to God in their, you know, earthly life. And we yeah, need to that's emulate a, the I virtues don't, the way they did. It's that kind of thing. If you don't grow up praying to the saints, or even if you're kind of a new Catholic, it's probably not that ingrained in probably you. Probably feels weird. That yeah. it's like well, it's a thing I'm talking you do to someone who's not it. here, but we really think of them as hearing us by the grace of God and helping us by the grace of God and for the grace of God. It's yeah. um it, it's almost like asking a big brother or something like that. It's just one of the things you do uh throughout your day and stuff. Um mm-hmm. now so Okay, we've got instances of Jesus talking to the dead. And like you said, Peter, for some reason, said, hey, it's Moses and Elijah. Um, as if he knew who they were. But what's even stranger than that is, okay, Jesus dies. Now, before we get to the big point here, mm-hmm. when Jesus is on the cross, he says to another man, who's hanging there with him, who's alive at the time, yeah. on this day, you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> Sorry. That's on, true. Knock it off. Um, so 
there is definitely going to be people in heaven from the time Christ dies, not even raises yet. He says on this well, that's, day. Yeah, in fact, that's the understanding of descending risen. into hell. Because he, he, that's, that's, he was ushering the patriarchs into heaven before he even came back and rose from the dead. Yeah, so it's not even that nobody can go until he goes, because he doesn't ascend till later, but um, he's when he looks up and says it is finished, it really is finished. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it, I, I think the, the um, you know, afterwards we, we talk about his resurrected body, it's in a glorified state and that kind of stuff. His body is resurrected, and then it, you know, he in his body doesn't ascend into heaven until some days later. Um, but I think that he then, even as he's walking around talking to the apostles and, and teaching them how things are going to go, um, his human soul is now experiencing the beatific vision. He's basically in heaven even while he's walking around on earth. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's... Um, and, and that's, you know, the, that's why others can go to heaven as well. Even before he raises from, right. rises from the dead, because he's you know once he dies, he descends into hell, leads the patriarchs into heaven, and then now when he rises from the dead, his human soul is in the beatific vision. Now he, um, so he's, a, you know, he's in the bosom and of Abraham, the others. leading people yeah. out, and and all of a sudden, all these dead people are walking around. Yeah, I was going to say, there's the people who rose from their graves and went and talked to their families and stuff. You get the feeling that some of these people are like generations away. Not like people, like not like my dad oh, who died, like, but... Like, yeah, it's like your great-great-grandpa who died or something like that. Yeah, and it's, I don't kind know, again, suddenly everybody knows who they are or something. Um, well, that's, yeah, same way Peter knew who, who Moses was. I don't know if it's because they told him or... But either way, they were walking around and talking to people, and people talked to mm -hmm. them. Those people would not be guilty of uh, summoning the dead, right? Right. It's and that's it's just a of, different thing. I think that's part of the. Uh, I mean, there's there's a few different meanings to attach to it, but I think that's part of the meaning of the rending of the. Um, the curtain in front of the tabernacle in, in the Holy of Holies of the temple. Um, because before it was only the Levites, uh, the, the tribe of priests who could go into the Holy of Holies, offer the sacrifice before the, well, the, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in the yeah. temple anymore by that time. But when the temple was first built, that's where, where Solomon placed the Ark. Um, of course that temple was destroyed. The one at the Jesus time was built by Herod, but, um, only the Levites could go in there, could enter there and, and offer sacrifice. Um, and I think that part of the significance of the rending of the curtain was to also rend the various divisions. I mean, we still have priests who are ordained as priests, but they don't have to belong to a particular tribe. And in terms of our ability to maintain a communion with each other in Christ... The separations are gone. Now we're all one body in Christ, as St. Paul says. Right. And that's why we can all rely on each other and call on each other and ask each other uh, to pray. Which brings us to the, the communion of the saints. And it's a 
it's a huge part of Catholic, uh, belief because it's, it's not just that we believe it, but as I was saying earlier, it becomes part of our everyday life. It's not, it's not just a, a, an academic yeah, it's a practice. It, it's, it's a, a way uh, of life. We, it's, it's practical. It's, yeah, I mm-hmm. pray to Mary, you know, pray to St. Anthony, pray to, uh, you know, even people who haven't quite been, uh, canonized. Yeah, we develop the... local cults of, of holy people. I mean, um, you know, we might pray to, I don't know if you remember Brother Joe, for example. Um, yeah, Brother Joe. We might it, pray to Brother Joe. It, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be wrong, first of all. Second of all, it wouldn't really be, it's definitely not useless either. Yeah. It's, because it's efficacious. It's, they are um, still humans and they, the same way it, it's good for us to pray for each other and it's good for us to ask each other for help. Right. And, you know, St. Paul even says that the saints, as you know, when we die and, and enter the vision of God, we become like angels. Um, one of the things in the book of Revelation is this, a couple of different scenes where angels are, um, using censors, uh, and the, the incense is going up and it is the prayers of the faithful going up to God. So like, so when the, 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 uh, spirits in heaven are taking the prayers of the faithful and delivering them up to God. That's that's like a pleasing scent to God. God wants that kind of intercessory prayer going on all the time. Right. And if we, when we die and see God, we become like angels, that means we also participate in that work of carrying the, prayer, the prayers of those on earth up to God. That's, that's part of what we do. If you uh, think about it, I mean, he he wants the same thing for the living. He didn't he didn't tell us, well, well, go go believe in the gospel and and go pray and do your little penances and kind of keep to yourself. And more than just praying for each other, we're supposed to be helping each other and doing good to each other and living as examples of charity. Your your whole life should be part. That should be part of your life. It doesn't stop when you die. It's pleasing to him when you're alive. It's pleasing to him when you're dead, when you're right, right. And in fact, that that's one of the things that that if, <laughs> to go back to the Protestant argument that Jesus is the one mediator. Um, to take that at its, you know, to take it out of context and then use it in the way that Protestants use it to criticize Catholic prayer to the saints. You would also have to criticize any request. From one person to another, that they pray for them. Right. If, if, if the to... reason you can't do that is because Christ is the one mediator, then you can't even ask your brother to pray for you or your neighbor or anything. But and you certainly in... have no need of a pastor. Well, right. But but what's interesting is that the very passage where Saint Paul says that you know the, you know brings out this one mediator idea. It's in a context where St. Paul is saying, we have to pray for everybody. We have to all be part of one body praying for each other because Christ is the one mediator. But we are the body of Christ. And so we have a communion in Christ. And so 
for Christ to be the one mediator also means for us to mediate on each other's behalf. It's one of those things. There's a lot of Protestant arguments that it's like, okay, you very obviously took one tiny phrase and turned it into almost a whole religion just built around that phrase. But yeah. prayer to the saints is one that uh, it's not quite as easily knocked down as that. You do have to think about this to, and once you've done the work of thinking it out, okay, it's a lot easier to swallow. But it's it's one of like like their argument against the Eucharist to me is just silly. I mean, he he spelled oh, it out yeah. for us so plainly and simply. But we do have these passages in the Bible that say, "Don't talk to the dead," and then here we are right. talking to the saints. Um, Except that doesn't really say. Don't it's talk more to than a dead. one or two word That's, argument. You, know, you have to right. you have to look at it and you, you have, have to, to really think out. about it. You have to think about what the what the prohibition really means. I mean, the, you know, the Bible has a prohibition against graven images. In fact, Aaron is in big trouble for making a calf and. A bunch of the people of Israel die because they worship the calf. But um, after God delivered the Ten Commandments, including the thing about graven images, he instructs Moses on how to make the Ark of the Covenant. And on it is, or actually are, well, two images. Yeah, two cherubs uh, with their uh, wings, you know, facing each other or something like that. And God says, I'm going to I'm going to speak to you from from between these two cherubim and then later when solomon builds the temple he put in 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 the the central uh holy space he creates two great big statues of cherubs with wingspans that like touch the walls and stuff like that and then separately he creates a throne oh in the temple he also creates this this um this big uh like they call it a molten sea. I'm not even sure what it was. Like whether it was a great big, like bath kind of a thing or what. But anyway, there are like these um, these oxen that he creates under it out of gold. And then when he creates the throne, he has like a calf's head at the top of the throne and these lions uh, on the various steps leading up to the throne and stuff like that. I mean, you know, all of these things. And and after he does all these things, God rewards him and says, you know, God says, hey, I approve of this work that you've done, you know, building me a house to my name and and building the uh, the right. house for your kingship and so on and so forth. This, this is all good by God. And yet we've got this, you know, commandment, don't don't make graven image. Well, okay, well, obviously that commandment means something a little bit different than what you might think is this very strict you can never make something that is a likeness of something else. Now, if we, okay. And then you apply that that. same analogy to the things like the, you know, okay, there's, there's rules against using mediums and necromancers and that kind of stuff. But like, like you said, every single prohibition uses, you know, it actually prohibits a practice that involves magic, which is not even close to the same thing as prayer. On the subject of graven images, and I, I don't know how, because the, okay, we may have laid out a convincing argument that doesn't mean don't build statues or 
paint pictures of the saints. It does, however, mean don't paint pictures of God. Okay. Now, you know, a couple things about well, that. You notice don't that every time and call them God. <laughs> right. I think what would, 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 would have been more to the, to the point. You know, every, uh, every, uh, if you look throughout history, generally the idols that we're talking about, um, were always of things or people who didn't exist. For example, the Pachamama statues. Oh, right. Yeah. There's no Pachamama. That's true. He brought a, there is no Pachamama. a, a false it, idol. It was something made up. Yeah. The Vatican. Uh, well, and that's, that's what the demons do. You know, that the demons try to, to convince people that they have this form or that form and the people end up making an idol of something that a demon might have shown to them, but that, that doesn't really exist because the demon it, itself is formless and far worse yeah. than whatever they, you know, dreamed up. Yeah. And, and all of humanity before Jesus arrives, other than the Jews are making these idols, these some of them terrible, some of them just beautiful, it doesn't matter. The, these statues, and they're worshiping them as yeah. gods or as representations of gods. Usually um, as gods. People, the, the, that's one of the things about the idolaters is that they actually believed that the, often that the, the statues, the images or whatever, uh, somehow locked their, their god into that position so, you know, so that they could, burn incense to it or whatever. So, like, I mean, when they worship Mother Earth, are they, and they build a statue of a mother, oh, well, do they... yeah, I don't, I don't know about Mother Earth, but I'm thinking, like, Moloch and, and the Baals yeah. and stuff like that. Well, the thing is that um, throughout the Old Testament, God's promising he's... He, he, he didn't put it in as plain English as we know now. He didn't say... My son, who's begotten and who is God, is going to come down and save you from your sins. He just promises right. he's going to send a savior, someone to he save. He promises us. a savior. He promises an eternal king as a son to David. Um, he, you know, he makes a lot of different promises. All of them are fulfilled in Christ, but he never quite reveals how that's going to work out. And so, all we we, we hear from the prophets and from a couple people like Moses who said that I saw a burning bush. He didn't claim that God was the burning bush. He just saw a bush right. that on fire, but didn't burn. He, he went to um, see what it was about. And then the voice spoke to him. Hey, take your sandals off. You're on hallowed ground. So we don't have any recording of what God looks like. All we had, and it would, if you'd asked a Jew back then, show me what God looks like, draw a picture of him. It's not just that it would be bad to try, but it he didn't know what he looked like. Blasphemous to try. Yeah. Well, yeah. They it would didn't be blasphemous, know, but it would to, be blasphemous try, to try, but he wouldn't know. To, I, I don't right. know. We just we uh, just know he's it. the creator of everything. Some, sometimes he's a cloud, and sometimes he's a pillar of fire, and and sometimes he's you know he he, he uh, sometimes he's an angel because he sends angels out, but. But yeah, none of and these is they God. understood just, these things as manifestations and not yeah, they're, actually they're God. Just ways to show us the presence of God is all. Well, you know the the thing is when Solomon built the temple, he said a prayer like like kind of the dedication of the temple, mm -hmm. and it was really interesting because it, it kind of almost um, echoes 
or we could say that our invocation, the invocations of the saints through, say, statues and pictures and the kind of thing, echo mm-hmm. Solomon's prayer of dedication. I'm going to read a couple of passages of it just to give you an idea of of what, you know, how he thought of it. Okay. So he says, uh, let's see, he's talking about God's promise um, to David, Solomon's father. There shall never uh, fail you a man before me to sit upon the throne of Israel, if only your sons take heed to their way and to walk before me as you have walked before me. Now, therefore, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this house which I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his appar- and to his supplication, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day towards this house, the place of which you have said my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer which your servant offers towards this place and hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place, yes, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So he's acknowledging that God's not actually there in the temple. The temple can't contain God. But he's just saying, hey, God, this is what we have. So when we pray towards this temple, please hear our prayer in heaven where you are. And then right. he goes through a whole lot of different, like, like parallel supplications. Hey, when, when Israel falls away from you and then they realize their sin and turn back towards you and pray towards this temple, please hear them and forgive them. When we have a drought because we've sinned and then we turn back towards you and pray towards this temple, please hear us and forgive us and give us rain. And, you know, on and on and on and on like that. And it's kind of the same way. I mean, it, the, the thing is, you know, when Jesus died, curtain between the you know in front of the tabernacle was was ripped in two so now that barrier is gone it doesn't have to be the temple it can be anywhere we are but we can still use things like the temple as as focuses of our prayers hey well the thing is when i pray towards the statue hear my prayer in heaven next to god where you are and carry my prayer to god please it opened up two things though it opened up the the boundary be- between us and God, and it mm-hmm. it gave us an image of God. We do have an image now. Well, yeah, because Jesus that was didn't a man. exist in the twelve in the Old Testament. Now we have an image. We know what God looks like, or at least that person of God mm-hmm. is an actual person. Yeah. So now we know what God looks like. So to make a statue of Jesus, uh, no, that's not a graven image. No, this is what God. Jesus looks like. It it that's, helps that's us think real, about, yeah. and it helps us keep. I mean, the, especially the, there are different statues that would kind of um, call to mind certain aspects of uh, what Jesus did. Like mm-hmm. a crucifix reminds us of the suffering at, that he went through for our sake. So there's, it's not a graven image. To make an image of Jesus on the cross. It's a way to commemorate or, or to call to mind as you pray to Jesus. This is what he did. This is what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. It's a, a way of calling to mind 
a way of mentally putting yourself in the presence and then asking God, hey, I'm, I'm directing my prayers to this, this crucifix. You know, hear my prayers from the cross that you died on. Which, I, so, you know, he's not on the cross, but, but hear my prayers yeah. across time, you know, so that in your death, you can, you know, add my, my prayers and my little, um, sufferings to your great suffering, and, which you uh, gave it, to the Father and pleased the Father so that my sufferings can please the Father. And it includes me in that, the crucifixes. And that promise that you made to the, the good thief that hung next to you. Um, That's right. So in in both, whether you're talking about a statue of Jesus or a statue of saints, they both are for the purpose of bringing to mind what we're doing, who we're praying to, why we're praying. Um, but it is a little bit different between a statue of Jesus and a statue of a saint. When we When we're looking at a statue of Jesus, we are talking to Jesus... And um, we're not imagining him in the statue. We're just keeping that in our minds as we pray in front of him, before him. Now, right. if if we have a statue of a saint, it is slightly different. We are keeping in mind because we are talking to him, but the act becomes a little bit different in that we imagine the saint with us praying to God. Oh, right. Yeah, as, because he's side one by of us. side as opposed we're to part of the communion. Yeah, up ahead exactly. of us. Exactly. It's, right. It's a different. Uh, it's just a different way of thinking, and and Catholics who have been praying like this all their lives kind of do it automatically and don't really even think about it. But um, a Protestant who who thinks that we're worshiping graven images wouldn't wouldn't quite get that. It's kind of like uh, you know when when you were five. Um, you struggled to button your shirt, but now at this age, try to think through the muscular manipulations that you need in order to button your shirt. You'd have a hard time yeah. even thinking through them because it just happens. It's, it's kind of that way with, if you grew up Catholic praying to saints. Yeah. Or dialing a phone number. Of course, nobody dials phone numbers anymore. They just press I was gonna say, what, person's what's name. dialing mean? <laughs> There was a time when you had to press each button, and then uh, they came out press. with phone memories, and it was all oh, press. <laughs> yeah, you had to turn that little dial. There was a time when it was a literal dial, circular. That's right. Hey, 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 okay. Little known fact. What that dial actually did when you turned it, uh, and then it was rotating back, is that it would successively make and break contact of the phone uh, with the phone company and the, because that's how the phone company then picked up and figured out, you know, uh, how it was. So you, so you had so many make breaks and that was a number and then a pause and so many more. And that was a number and that was, a, and then a pause and the phone company electronics were designed to pick up on that. And from that, figure out where to connect you up with. And I confirmed that this was actually how it worked several times back in the day when you actually had phones that worked that way. You yeah. pick up the phone, and instead of dialing with the dial, you could click the receiver buttons up and down that many times, and then pause, and then do it for the next number however many times, and then pause, and so forth, and it would dial the number. 
you know what? I was with you once when we did, I probably the first time because no. we were trying it out and we called mom and mom's here's what like, people, what? Here's what people don't realize. So, so this idea of clicking it in order to dial was once upon a t- time a thing that people did. And so what might happen if you lost a connection? You might want to get it back right away, and so you might call the operator in order to say, hey, I need that connection back that I was just on. Can you hook them back up for me? And how do you get the operator? You dial O, which is 10 clicks, and so you click the thing 10 times. That would give you the operator. And But what has happened, that that way, that sort of habit made its way into movies, but yeah. the movie makers completely forgot why that habit made its what you know was there in the first place, and so you'll see people in movies, they lose a connection and they'll click it like two or Hello. three times and then say Hello. Hello? <laughs> that bugs the daylights out of me. Every show does it. When someone hangs up, they start clicking on. You don't do that if you if somebody hangs up on you. That's not going to help you. Hello. Yeah. Hello. I didn't know that's where it came from, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's... I just knew that you're <laughs> not going to help the situation by hanging up the phone. It's dumb. <laughs> I've never even seen someone try to do that, except right, in the movies. Exactly. Except in the movies. <laughs> oh, well. I... I think we've exhausted the subject. I think we have. I think we have. Okay. You know, but but you know, the, the, here's the thing though: this idea of the communion of saints. And and by the way, I mean, if if you accept the books of Maccabees, you see um, that there is you know prayer not only to the dead but for the dead. Um, and then you see in um, the New Testament very clear indications that. If you're in a state of grace, you can pray for somebody. But if you commit a, a, a serious sin so that you're out of the state of grace, you got to go back to the church, be you know reconciled to the church and, and so forth, your prayers don't work anymore. But you can pray for somebody who, com- who committed a lesser sin, a, a non-bad, a non-grievous sin. You can pray for them to help them become freed of that sin, of the guilt of that sin. And wait this is even indicated in some, like the, some of the letters of John. Okay, wait a minute now. See, um, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, mm-hmm. so you, you're, say, you're a parent, your daily routine includes, you know, do this, do that, maybe fast for half a day and offer that up for one of your kids. Say a rosary, mm-hmm. offer that up for one of these kids. And then you do something to put yourself out of the state of grace. Okay. Now, is there any point the in to continue doing these things? Are they Here's, there's, there's two, of any advantage? two schools of thought. There's two schools of thought on that. Um, one school of thought is there's no point within the life of grace of doing so. However, because it retains the natural habituation you should continue to do so as though you're in a state of grace. Um, and furthermore, since, yeah. s- since we have this, this concept of 
you know how, how we have this, this, um, idea of perfect contrition so that yeah. what you can do is you can ask God for perfect contrition and you shouldn't go to communion until you've been to confession in this case, right. but you can ask God for, per- for a perfect contrition and then hoping in his, uh, granting of that grace, continue to do these acts so that at the very least they maintain the natural habit and perhaps they're meritorious. Now that's one school of thought. The second school of thought is that yes, you should maintain them anyway, because what happens is that if you do, they store up the graces and then at whatever time you go to confession and return to, to a state of grace, yeah. then all of those things that you've done, the, the merits of those apply to the extent that they would apply in your newly restored state of grace. Now, grace okay. is something that grows in you. So it's like, okay, if, if you've been, if you're in the habit of staying in a state of grace, you don't, you know, do things like get drunk and, or, or view pornography or what, you know, the many things that, that yeah. are available today that cause people to fall from grace. If you don't do these things, you stay in a state of grace and you are saying these prayers, your grace grows and grows and grows and grows. And the more it grows, the more efficacious these, these acts are in winning the grace, both for you and for those that you're praying for. Well, okay. So let's say you, you do something wrong and then you have to go to confession. And under this second school of thought, the, the graces that it would, that these acts would merit would only be at the very beginning life of grace because you've just been to confession again and you're brand new and you've got a very, um, a very okay. small life of grace at that point. But nonetheless, that's worthwhile. So hey, in you either start school somewhere. of thought, I think it makes sense to do your best to try to continue them. Uh, I certainly can understand the temptation to think, well, there's no point anyway. I'm just going to leave off that and, yeah. you know, get something done with my day or whatever, you know. That's <laughs> If anything, it should uh, create in you a sense of urgency yeah, to, to get back to confession. Get back in the state of grace. It, it does for me. I mean, over the years, as my prayer life developed, on those occasions where I slip, you know, it, like in the, the beginning the it was like, I need to get to confession because the that you can't uh, pray. <laughs> I don't want to go to hell. But then <laughs> later like, it became, I conf- yeah, I, 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 I have to pray for my kids. I need to get mm-hmm. to confession so I can help my kids. Right, right. It's like, I, I, I gotta get into a state of grace so that I can pray again. You know, it's good. It's like, it's like, yeah. okay, hell, whatever, but, but I, I want to be in union with I God. I want to be able to pray. Separated. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, yeah. There really it's is weird a, how a that, transformation that grows. That takes place over time. Yeah. Okay, you know, we have to talk a little bit. There's all kinds of weird, okay, we've, We've not been talking about church politics at all. Um, I guess oh, it just, gosh. it sickens me. And, but there's all kinds of queer, uh, crazy things going on. For example, uh, Pope Francis, I think this was in Italy. Well, he was praying Italian and he, he said this new version of the Our Father where he's Do you have changed the, the words translation of that of a, 2000 year old prayer. Um, right. 
So, so the, the, the part we're talking about is, is, uh, lead us not into temptation. Um, and, or, you know, at nenos inducas in tentationem, if you're praying Latin, it means the same thing. So he says, and he, he actually, he actually came out with the intention to do this some years ago. Yeah, I remember. And you remember? Thought, yeah. yeah I, oh, that's just, stupid. He won't do it. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he'll, he'll figure out that that's a stupid thing. So, so he did change it. He did it and he started praying in, in the, uh, this new thing that he concocted. And his objection was, oh, if you're asking God not to lead you into temptation, that means that you must think that maybe God's going to tempt you to sin. Right. But, so, set that thought aside for a minute. Do you have the translation of the new form that he used? Uh, hold on one second. Change the phrase, lead us not into temptation to, do not let us fall into temptation. But that's not what I heard. I heard no, the one I heard tell. was, yeah, hold on, hold on. Let, let me look, because that's not what I heard. Do not abandon us to temptation is Bingo. what... Bingo, that's what I heard. That's what the new version says, according to... Now, I... The, okay. The way he Taylor actually Marshall did it was in the Italian. one who was... Uh, and, and Taylor Marshall's a bit of a language expert, um, or at least more than I am anyway. But, um, so he's the one who was translating it or talking about the translation. Yeah, I'm looking for but, a 2021 article because, because his, his use of this new form was just recent, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just in like a, a month ago, maybe. Here we go. So here's one file. Cause all the articles I'm coming up with are like 2019, back when he said that he, oh, okay, the right. one article that when I he found is, claimed that to he would want to do it, <laughs> he was saying something different. But when he actually did it, yeah, this is, I'm reading 2019. Everything I'm reading is from 2019. Except for Taylor Marshall's thing. But he actually did say that maybe nobody's reporting on the fact that he, of how he said the prayer because he already said that he was going to do it. He said he was going to do it and then suddenly we have this recording of him doing it. It's not like he, he didn't put it in a book or anything. He was just saying the Our Father and he changed the words. Let's even, let's even, no, you know. It, the, it's in the new missile, the Italian missile. Oh, so what's the English translation of the Italian missile? Okay. The Greek is, lead us not into temptation. And they, the new Greek is, abandon us not into temptation. Abandon us not. So, Pope Francis's initial objection is... Well, gee, why would the Father lead you into temptation such that you have to ask him not to do that? That would be a horrible thing for a father to do. Fathers don't lead their kids into a, tape, a temptation to sin. And yeah. his solution to that is abandon us not into temptation or abandon us not in temptation or whatever. Like, so like that's a better us? view of... like, like he, he would abandon us if we don't pray hard for him not to abandon us. We have to keep clamoring... For his attention, please don't abandon us, Father. And that's that's Pope Francis's it solution really, to this. It doesn't help what he's saying. The problem is, instead, he should be teaching people about why we say it this way. Yeah, exactly. Now, it was. It, it's more about uh, 
don't put us to an incredible test that we're going to have trouble passing. Not that, but but we accept that he God is going to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does lead us into temptation in that way. He puts us in situations where we're tested, and it glorifies God when we pass the test. We're just asking him to to not not push us to the limit. That's the point of the prayer. I don't think changing it to do not abandon us really changes all that much. But you uh, know, it, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't make people think, oh, sometimes God uh, abandons us in a temptation. He just doesn't lead fact, us into temptation. That's even it's, worse. It's, it's the the fact of, is, God God does test us. God, pro- like, think of the martyrs. Yeah. God providentially allowed for the course of the world to occur in a way that led them into that position of martyrdom. He led them into temptation and they withstood the test and now are great glorious martyrs that magnify God's glory that we pray to. Yeah. And in fact, we even have, you know, I, I love this, you know, this, this one passage in Exodus 16 because it kind of shows that, that, you know, God's, you know, he reached out to Abraham, he made a covenant with him, and then, you know, there were Abraham's children and children, and then, you know, the whole thing into Egypt with, with uh, Israel and, and, and his son Joseph and all of that kind of stuff. But now Moses is is the, you know, the real, uh, he, he's kind of the proto-Christ now. Um, and he's coming, you know, leading the people out of Egypt. And he gets them into the wilderness, and and it, you know these they're so new to this whole concept of being taken care of by God that um, that as soon as they get you know a few days away from the Egyptians, they say, "Oh, why did you lead us out here? Now we're going to die," yeah. you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then in uh, chapter sixteen of Exodus, it says, "Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you.' He's talking about manna, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day." that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. This is actually the very first command. I mean, other than the commands that he gave at the, you know, the, the, the beginning when he commanded Adam and Eve, but this is the very first, like, like piece of the law that he gave the Israelites after bringing them out of Egypt is basically, okay, I'm going to give you this bread. I want you to gather it six days out of the week only one day's worth at a time, except on the sixth day you gather two days worth, and that's all. And you got to trust me beyond that. That was his first command. Uh, but he he told Moses, "I'm going to do this that I may test them to see that they'll you know hold my commands so and abide by them." Very specifically, led them into temptation. He led them into the temptation, the temptation to think that they needed more, and of course they fell to the temptation. They need they gathered yeah. more. Well, what happened, the stuff that they saved over, it got worms in it and stuff. And then, you know, they, they, they might have been tempted. Oh, we got worms. So on the sixth day, we're not going to gather two days worth, even though God said to. So then they don't gather it. And then the seventh day, he didn't give them any because he told them to get two days worth on the sixth day. And so then those who didn't get two days worth, they had to go hungry. For a day. These people just never <laughs> Well, you know, they were new. God was doing easy tests, but the point is, yeah. he was definitely doing tests. 
He, yeah. he was leading them. And that's how he does with individuals too. You know, you start out in a prayer life and maybe God gives you small temptations. You know, every, every challenge is a temptation to abandon hope in God, to not trust in God. And so he gives you right. these challenges and you just deepen and deepen and deepen. Every one of them is an opportunity to deepen your trust in God. Now, you know, the, the thing is, I, whenever I talk to new Christians or, uh, I guess Christians who have had kind of a, a reawakening anyway, um, mm-hmm. and who are just want to talk about 24 seven, um, I, they'll tell me time after time how God talks to them and how they'll be praying about this and all of a sudden this will happen and God talks to them nonstop, it seems. And I, you know, I guess, 30 years ago, I would have, I thought the same thing. Um, but now I haven't heard a word from God in t- 10 years, 15 years. Um, but it, it's not because I got smarter and realized, no, God's not talking to me. It's just that God, God kind of meets us at our own level. Yeah. He, and he, so he with, there was a, if you're um, a wimp, you, you get easy tests. As you get better, you get harder tests. I forget what saint uh, witnessed a vision of, of three um, cloistered nuns praying. And Jesus was, he was kind of pampering one. And the other, he would once in a while, like he might, he would slap her in the face hard. But then he would immediately Jeez. caress her and, and soothe her. And the other one, he would grab her by her hair and thrash her around. And then he didn't even follow it up with any, you know, pampering or soothing or anything. And the saint is like, what the heck? He's like, well, the one that I thrashed around is the one who loves me the most and who has the greatest share in my glory because she doesn't need that constant reassurance and, and, uh, yeah, and pampering from me because that's how strong her faith has and her trust has grown. I wish. Jesus would figure out that I need some reassurance sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I, I when we were we talking to all these the new kitchen. Christians. Oh, you should have seen this. And God spoke to me, and I'm like, well, <laughs> okay, well, you know, I'm talking to you all the time. To me. Yeah, to me. <laughs> it's like I when we were in the kitchen, and I said, "Isn't there a prayer?" And I realized actually that prayer really is the Our Father. But isn't there a prayer that we that because you know it, it's like Jesus said. You know, no greater man was born of woman before John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And I thought, you know, the least in the kingdom of heaven, I, I wouldn't mind being the least in the kingdom of heaven. So isn't there a prayer that says, Hey God, you know, just, just don't give me any tests to elevate my, my, you know, honor and share in your glory. Just, just let me be the least. Yeah. So that, because yeah. I'd, I'd rather be the least than, then, you know, than lose it completely because I failed some test that you gave me. That's actually what the prayer of the Our Father is. That, that yeah. line of the Our Father. Lead us not into temptation. That's all that is. Now, of course, yeah. the fact is, as we deepen our prayer life, God does lead us into the temptations that He knows that we can handle. He gives us the grace to handle. Uh, and sometimes people choose to reject that grace. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be a, you know, a spiral into some kind of, of carnal sin. It might be some kind of arrogance where somebody gets latched on to some kind of 
I don't know, scientific way of thinking and they now think, oh, I don't need God. I can figure out everything out with science. It, who knows? What, you know, it, or what, it might be just a one-time slip-up and... Uh... Well, it might be a, yeah, it might be a slip sorry, up God. and then you, and then, okay, but, but in that case, God uses it to strengthen your knowledge of dependence on Him. But, but yeah. once in a while, somebody fails the test and, you know, and deliberately through their will, simply rejects God for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Well, that's not the only change He made, though. He also changed the Gloria. Um, oh, really? The one in Mass? Yeah. So in the, the, <clears throat> The yeah, so Latin this is one? the Russian missile, and oh. this is the Latin. See, I don't understand. I thought there was one Latin, and then all the other languages were translations of that. It could be. That's is how it I possible? It is it possible that he? Changed? Oh wait a minute. Okay, so, so this is the new Latin or the new Italian missile. Okay. Which Italian. is a translation of the Latin Missal. Right. And it is, these changes have so. not been confirmed yet. Oh, okay. okay. But we have a film so. of St. Francis praying the Our Father with this new version. But as far as the Gloria, uh, where it says, On earth, peace to men of goodwill. It says, Peace on earth to men loved by the Lord. Which makes no sense to me. Peace all, on but... earth to men loved by the Lord. Yeah. But you know, I, I mean, mean, it's, why it's not you, that why big a deal that? because do you remember how long we had a mistranslation of the Gloria in our own mass in the English? So how mass? did we say glory to God in the highest and peace? We just said peace to peace his people, to his on, people earth. on earth. That was so stupid. And there are that some was... biblical translations that say, you know, cause, cause that, that's what the angels sang in, at the uh, birth of Christ. And yeah. some translations say, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Okay. Well, okay. So I guess you could come up with this translation, except that we're supposed to, it's supposed to be a translation from the Latin. And the Latin is, Gloria in Not what you Deo, want it to et be. in terra, pax hominibus bonae voluntatis, men of goodwill. Now, I mean, to me, this I, okay. Look, it, it's a it's a big deal because he's trying to change the words of the Our Father, and it's stupid. Uh, and here he's also changing the words of the Gloria, which is also stupid. The thing yeah. is, we mistranslated the uh, the words <laughs> the of consecration. Practically. Yeah. For how long? I don't. Know, was it? I mean, seventies like to the. I mean, whenever the English one. Yeah, came it was out from the seventies all the way oh, to two thousand eleven. Almost 40 years. Yeah, it was 40 years. Early 70s, wasn't it? So almost yeah. 40 years. There's an argument to be made that we didn't even have an, a, a proper English mass throughout that whole time. And you notice that um, it was one of the reasons there was so much effort to get the Latin mass back in was because oh, of those true. words. Right, right. I mean, that... Now we'll, we'll have a debate on whether those transcripts Instantiation, yeah. whether those were valid or not, but but it, it's yeah. it's kind of undeniable. What's here's what's interesting. That was one of the that was one of the the debating points as people were you know pushing for the uh, you know bishops' permissions and that kind of stuff um, in various right. places to use the Latin Mass. Uh, which interestingly, the Latin you didn't need a bishop's 
permission to use the Novus Ordo Latin. I don't know why more priests didn't just do that. But all the all the people who wanted the Latin Mass wanted the old Latin Mass, the, the you know yeah. traditional Latin Mass. But here's what's ironic: since we did the new translation, um, the traditional Latin Mass, it, it's almost as though getting a better English translation improved our access to the graces of the Mass, so yeah. that now those graces are bearing fruit in an even greater acceleration of interest and um, use of the traditional Latin mass. Yeah, I would say. I mean, it, it was really slow going at first. I mean, it was like a, a, a group of people would would fight and fight in their diocese for 10 years before yeah. they'd finally get permission to have one Latin mass in the whole diocese. Yeah, and maybe now, once a month or something. Like the Archdiocese of Cincinnati has a couple of them, and then mm-hmm. right across the river, there's another yeah, one. The so if you're in, and, yeah, if you're in Cincinnati, you have quite a few choices. And I know more and more people are getting access to it, and more and more people are loving it, mm-hmm. uh, including the young people. Yeah, that's which, that's the thing. It's 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 a really. Uh, I mean, some of the young people, sure, it's a it's a novelty thing, perhaps. But I think I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, for a and, lot of them. And and we've got bishops, uh, not bishops, Jes- uh, priests. Uh, Thomas Reese, a Jesuit priest who's kind of prominent and uh, the editor in chief for the Jesuit magazine America. Um, mm, okay, is asking for bishops to have the authority to. Keep the Latin Mass under thumb and to, to make it go the away. Latin Mass, and and comes out and says these young people should not be going to this Mass, and he's angry that young people are going to the Mass because yeah. the young well, so people should Francis. be going to this hippie Mass. Yeah, yeah. I know. Pope well, they Francis, want people to go to the yeah. hippie Mass because that's for young people. Suddenly, like, I mean, this movement died in the eighties, right after it gained life in the 70s. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's over. It, the hippie mo- movement is dead, and out of this arises the old Latin mass. But um, they're angry because... Uh, what was my what was my point there? Yeah, it's getting more and more strength, and young people are like it, and they see that young people are liking it, and they don't like that. And it's it, it's a good thing. Um, meanwhile, Vigano well, you know, the Pope is, is the one who, um, he, I, at some, uh, offset comment, uh, offhand or something like that, but he, you know, somebody was asked about the, the rise in popularity of the Latin mass and he just acted like he's befuddled by the whole thing. He says, I don't understand it. Why everybody wants this rigidness. It's not supposed to be rigid. That was his, <laughs> his complete, that's, that's his complete understanding of the Latin Mass yeah. and the phenomenon of people wanting to be, uh, to have access to the traditional Latin Mass. I mean, that, that shows how, I, I don't, See, you know, if you take him at his I, word, that shows how ignorant he is as the Pope. The thing is, I, I can kind of see how we come out of the fifties where people are strong, traditional and, uh, into the 60s, this new age where it's like free love and sex and drugs and rock and roll, I can see how some priests are, are kind of like thinking, 
I'm, I'm going to change with the times and reach these people and I'm going to pull them into the church. <laughs> and I can see how he would be fooled into thinking that this is going to work. Maybe, but it's, it's you know, been decades. I could forgive you for being fooled for two decades with that thought. Yeah. It's been <laughs> half a century. But when it, it clearly didn't, didn't work. work, when it, when it backfired. It bombed. <laughs> how, I mean, get your head out of your butt. It, yeah. it just didn't work. You got to admit that at some point. Yeah. yeah anyway. anyway so, so now there's Viganos these writing letters who, again. Who, but by the way, I want to correct earlier because I was trying to come up with the name of, of Pope Benedict's, um, you know, uh, permission to use the, the traditional Latin mass, which the Jesuits are now trying to basically roll back and say, nope, let's put it back in the hands of yeah. the bishops. Yeah. Uh, Samorum Pontificum is the one, is, is the okay. letter from Pope Benedict that I was trying to think of. The one that I was referring to, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis, that's actually the one where Pope John Paul II, um, defined that women can't be priests. And so that's oh, okay. that the infallible definition that priesthood is only for men. Um, so that's what that is. But anyway, so Vigano, I know you've been itching to get this on here. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, he wrote a letter. I don't, I don't really understand what, I think he's addressing some of these conferences and these summits and synods that are coming up. Um, they sound pretty bad. You know, we've, we've got, and I mean, these are things that Pope Francis wanted to happen. One on health, and he's got people like Dr. Fauci and, uh, Kelsey Clinton. He's Chelsea, got Dr. What's Fauci and, and Chelsea, Chelsea Clinton. Clinton. Uh, yeah, people like that come into this. And, oh, health. And <laughs> health. Like health. Yeah, uh, okay. He, yeah, it's, okay. See, so, people can hear it real plain when they're listening, but we're listening to each other on earbuds and we don't hear quite as much. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. So, and, and I, I don't even, I, I guess it's, I think this really is somehow linked COVID and, Enforcing vaccines. I think that's what really this is all about. Um, but it's bad news. And at the same time, we've got this meeting coming up for the, uh, I don't know what they're calling it, Eucharistic, uh, conference. I, so I think they're trying to figure out how to get rid of the Latin Mass. I think that's what the whole conference is about. But, or come up with a new Mass. I thought, oh, I thought the uh, Amazon Synod. I thought that was about coming up with a new mass, not about women in the priesthood, but about a new mass. Yeah, that's what I thought, and I thought it's going to. I don't know. They're gonna. They're gonna kind of. For some reason, they're focusing on the Spanish speaking people. Oh. But never mind. Forget I said that. Um, that's what I always thought the Amazon Synod was really about, is coming up with a new mass. And I was kind of afraid of that, but I I still think maybe it was. Mm-hmm. Could, yeah. I'd, I mean... Okay. They're, they're trying to combat the Tridentine mass for some reason, which is just stupid. Why why are you fighting it? It's not like... It's not like there's a bunch of old hoagie priests enforcing this on people. It's the people who are asking for it. Yeah. 
the laity is asking for it. That's, so that's why do you thing. call it it's rigid? Like, it's yeah. It, it's and see that's just where we're not, it, it's like how do you read this when the people are are agitating and asking for that which has been the practice of the church for centuries, you know, more than a millennium. Yeah. And the, and it's, and, and you're saying we have to find ways to keep the people from having this. Well, then what's your objection to it? It's like, do you object to the graces that that has given the church all of those centuries? What, what is, yeah, I mean, it really makes you wonder about the motivations. I mean, it's these kinds of things that don't make any sense whatsoever that make you tempted to think, wow, do they really have diabolical motivations here? Is this, is this, yeah. are they trying to serve Satan? Because if they sat down and said, how can we best serve Satan while still this is how you looking do it. like, you know, while we, while still having the trappings of the church, you couldn't come up with a better way. Yeah, and it, and it's not like a bunch of old people who are just latched onto the old way and they don't want to see it die out. This is it's it's a fresh movement. It's a new movement. It's a growing movement. It's yeah. young people, That's... and it's worldwide. We all want it back. We tried the new way. It sucked. Let's go to the old way. Oh well. Anyway, so Vigano wrote this letter addressing some of these some of these new things coming up and. Three separate times he uses the word antichrist. Um, the first one he says, the Holy See has deliberately renounced the supernatural mission of the church. Okay, st- pause here. They mm-hmm. have. I mean, the, the Tutti Frutti encyclical, what else was that? Uh, yeah, that, that. Okay, we're not going to completely... talk about God. We're going to talk about fellowship. Yeah. So that did happen. Yep. Uh, making itself the servant of the New World Order and Masonic globalism. I don't know about Masonic. I, I argue with Jason about the Freemasons all the time. I, you know, every time someone talk, says the Freemasons, I think you could take that word out and put in the word communists. Because I well, think there's... communism is more behind this than Freemasons. But some people will say communism is a product of the Freemasons. Of the Freemasons, I, I right. just don't know about that. I don't yeah. know. Was Lenin a Freemason? Marx? I don't know. Was well, he a Freemason? Was Marx a Freemason? I don't know. That's, you know what? I could probably find out. Let me look that up while you're talking. Okay. Uh, anyway, he says, making itself the servant of the New World Order and Masonic globalism. Yes, they are doing that. If you accept Masonic globalism as what I call the communist agenda, then yes, the church is doing that. It's completely doing that. The Holy See is doing that, not the church. The Pope and the cardinals are kind of giving themselves over to this globalism. Mm -hmm. The fact that Biden can receive communion is proof enough of it. Uh, And then he says, making yourself the servant, I'm going to start over this and do the whole sentence this time. The Holy See has deliberately renounced the supernatural mission of the church, making itself the servant of the New World Order and Masonic globalism and an antichristic counter-magisterium. So we have the magisterium, we have the, the seat of Peter, and now the Holy See is kind of setting itself up as a counter-magisterium. 
against the seed of Peter. And he describes it as antichristic, meaning it's against Christ. Not necessarily that this is the antichrist. Right. Um, and, And more like, if we say that the church is supposed to be Christic, in other words, the church's mission is supposed to be about the mission of Christ, and he's and and the Pope is setting it up so that the church's mission is about something other than the mission of Christ, which is proclaiming the gospel and saving souls, forgiving sins and saving souls. Um, instead, it's about this aspect or that aspect of human flourishing. It's about humanitarianism. It's about uh, fellowship. About environmentalism, uh, usually. Environmentalism, yeah, the... So it's antichristic in that in that all of those senses. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Even so even he, those things, here. even those things which might be good in and of themselves, in the proper place, done by the a, a governmental organization or a volunteer or a organization charity. of people or a charity group or whatever, it's antichristic, and the church doesn't have any business making that its primary mission. In, in, in a supplant of the Great Commission. Yeah. If the church is going to take over all that stuff, then who's going to lead souls to God? Yeah. Because who's that's the most proclaim, important thing. Who's going to teach people, this is sin. If you do it, you got to be forgiven for it. Here's how you get forgiven. And here's how you return to God so that you can be saved and go if to I, heaven when you die. If I have a full belly because the local pastor gave me food... But I still go to hell. The the food didn't do me any good. That's true. Yeah, I need exactly. to get to heaven. Then I'll worry about food. So he's he's completely right here. Um, now later on he brings up uh, La Salette. Or, um, or this is a, a yeah a, an yeah the visionary. Uh, it was an apparition, and apparently there are more than one. Um, texts, and some of them are argued about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, La, Salette, La Salette was a an approved apparition, but how do I say this? There are more than one texts from La Salette, and not all of them. People don't agree about which ones oh, are. Oh, there's there's uh, questions of provenance. There there may be some some quotes to La Salette that are, that are ascribed. That, that we're not certain right, real. That, okay. Right. So it's argued about, and the authenticity is argued about, and um, Vigano quotes from the one that is often argued over. And he, oh. in, this is a warning from Our Lady that says, Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. Hmm. So... So, okay. but, but, but always doing there is quoting. If you accept it as a quote, it it it's not clear just from the quote itself whether it means the sea of Rome or the city of Rome. Sorry, I went to get coffee. I thought Danny would talk longer than that. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but okay, the seat of the Antichrist. And are, are we talking about the seat of Peter itself? It doesn't. It doesn't make that clear, right? What and is the course, seat of the Antichrist? Uh, is, is, is I mean, it just means 
you know, I mean, it seems to me that it just refers to, okay, it's it's going to be where the Antichrist rules from. And I would think that she's warning about, uh, when, when she says Rome will lose the faith, I do take that to mean the, um, the ruling church, the, the, the part of the Catholic church that rules the rest of the church. And I, yeah, but, I but can't see how who have written that, that has happened. I think specifically about Look, yeah, the, the indefectibility. They brought idols into the Vatican. Well, I, yeah, I know, I know, but there's saints who have written about that have specifically written about how the Christ promise of indefectibility applies particularly to the Roman see. Okay. But did that promise, uh, include the, uh, say the protection against falling into idolatry? Because that seems to have already happened. Not, okay, so here's how I interpret well, that protection. Okay. Pope didn't In, worship the Pachamama, right. but he was part of a service that worshipped well, Pachamama. Even if he did, even if he did, here's how I see that, that protection of indefectibility. That it will never come that it is wrong for us as the Christian church to obey the dictates of, you know, that, that are coming from the Roman see in terms of, of telling us what to believe or how to practice. So when the Pope teaches from the chair of Peter or commands from the chair of Peter to follow that teaching or to um, follow those rules will not be sinful. Right. Now, which, which teaching, I, you know, it, it, that's the thing. If it, you If you propose a hypothesis, you know, you could say, well, let's suppose that the Pope teaches from the chair of Peter, uh, you know, that, uh, marriage is not permanent and, and that divorce and remarriage is okay and that we don't have to worry about annulments anymore. Uh, or that artificial contraception is okay. Or something like that. It was, and, and commands all Catholics to believe that. Well, okay. You're presenting a hypothesis that according to my model of indefectibility, that's exactly the hypothesis that'll never happen. Right. For example. See, that's, that's how I've always thought of the Catholic Church. Now, that doesn't mean the I Pope didn't. isn't going to go have concubines and, and practice contraception, you know, while he's living it up with concubines in the Vatican or something like that. Right. And now, we've had Popes who have done I mean, things that are just as bad. That's, that's what kind of calls into question is, could the Pope be the Antichrist. I don't even know. Well, See, that's pope. the thing. When they talk about the Antichrist, they're pope. talking Jesus. about the creature in Revelation. Well, maybe, um, or somehow identified with the but creature. But I don't even know if you creature. could interpret but, that to an actual one time, one person. But Jesus refers to an Antichrist. Now, he G- said, yeah, he does. Yeah, he says one will so rise up John. who will perform acts that are so great that it will turn even the faithful were that possible. Well, I mean, this Pope is a bumbler. Okay. There's no yeah, way he meets that definition. This Pope is not... This Pope is not who Christ was calling the Antichrist. Not even close. Right. But, you know, in John... Uh, 1 John... In 1 John chapter 4, 
he says, This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Okay. So, I don't... If you take Antichrist to be what John is kind of describing oh, here... The spirit of the Antichrist is the beast working in the world then. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, this is uh, By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Okay, I hate to say this, but so and, and John's describing turns, what an antichrist is. Hasn't the Pope done this already? And, and instead of confessing Jesus in the flesh, he can he wants to confess, you know, about straws floating in the ocean and about uh, yeah Mother Earth and about uh, Amazon. Well, wasn't he asked in one of those famous interviews that didn't get recorded? But which oh, he didn't Scalfari. clarify later. Eugenio Scalfari that, uh, interviews. Yeah, he said something to the effect that Jesus didn't Jesus know he wasn't was God, God until after like he was risen or something. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah that's what it uh, was. Some didn't know he was God. Right. Yeah, it was dumb. Whatever it was, but um, yeah, that's, I, it, it depends know, that's, on what you like, mean by teach. But but yeah, by like, that in in that regard, then the Pope has already become the Antichrist. He's so, showing himself. Scalfari goes and he does these interviews with the Pope and then he comes out and says, here's what the Pope said. And the Pope has yet to contradict him. Yeah, he's not denying it. He, uh, you know, it's, and it, when the, it would be one thing if Scalfari was like, if he wasn't granting any interviews and Scalfari was just right. making stuff up and saying, Hey, here, let me tell you what Pope Francis really thinks because, you know, he gives me secret cues when he does his speeches or something like that. Yeah. Well, that would be worth just and then, ignoring. And then he continues to give him interviews. But he does interviews, and then he comes even up after with stuff that scandalizes the faithful. It, it 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 leads, it allows those faithful who don't want to believe the teachings of the church, who want to think, oh yeah, the church is going to change its teachings. Oh yeah, homosexuality is okay. Oh yeah, contraception is okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, nobody's going to hell. And so people who want to believe these things, they read these interviews with, you know, that, that Scalfari writes as, oh yeah, communism is a good thing. And then they believe those things. Well, those, those are all heresies that, that are going to lead people to hell. And the Pope doesn't they're correct anti-christic. them. They're anti-christic. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're anti-christic. They're, um, scandalous. They, they, uh, facilitate sin on the part of the faithful who might be tempted to believe these things. And now, oh, well, the Pope even says this. Okay, I guess I can believe it too. And he doesn't address it at all. And then so goes and does I, more interviews. So, yeah, I mean, on that point, I it's mean, like, yeah, that, that's hard to argue that, that he's not in the spirit of the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't, you couldn't call Vigano wrong for, call, for saying it this way so yeah. far. We've got one more quote. Um, so he's talking about the faithful who are disgusted by what's going on in the church today. And he mm -hmm. says, uh, by the desertion of those who by holy orders are called to bear witness to the holy gospel and not to support the establishment of the kingdom of the Antichrist. So in other words, people are disgusted by priests and bishops and popes 
who instead of are preaching instead of preaching the gospel are preaching this new world order which is of the antichrist the right. the globalism that we all know is is uh Pope Francis is trying kind of like to move a us pet toward. project within the church his his, his yeah, pet project so, is to get the church fully into the globalist uh yeah sphere which so how can you argue against Vigano what it, what he says there he again he doesn't say the he says the establishment of the kingdom of the antichrist he doesn't call pope francis the antichrist right he's he's more like saying okay the holy see through pope francis is serving the spirit of the antichrist is is kind of more along the lines of what he's saying yeah and because it's doing so, it's giving credence to those things for the whole church that is effectively making Rome the seat of the Antichrist. Yeah, yeah, and it's like Pope Francis is 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 selling the seat, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I I wanted to address what Vigano said and some of the some more of the goofy things that Pope Francis is doing. Um, but the church is still the church. The Pope is still the Pope. He has not taught heresy. He's done some from the pretty rotten Peter. things, but yeah, yeah. So, and we can rely on Jesus's promise. The, the Jesus promise, and we gotta just trust in that. That's all we can do at this point. <laughs> now, but here's what the, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if okay. if if there's a play, a diabolical, I mean, a a, a otherworldly play in the works here where Pope Francis, so, so the devil wants to get as many souls as he can. Yeah. So you, you, he's, he's got his hooks into Pope Francis and to a lot of bishops and that kind of stuff, cardinals and so forth. And so clearly he's, he's, even if he can't force the Pope to teach error, he's getting the Pope to, to fail to do a lot of things that are allowing the faithful to fall into error without having any any direct um, contradiction by the Pope to fall that he's he's getting the Pope to do yeah. things that allow the faithful to think that their errors are really okay. So that's the one that side. Is now happening. Let's suppose somebody else who's not the Pope sets himself up as a sort of pope-like figure um or even tries to pl- claim uh maybe even tries to claim the, the papacy i don't know but but my thinking is that somebody else then is like a a opposite of pope francis except that he's outside the church yeah but all those people who are disgusted with pope francis now it's like the the temptations there oh well, wait a minute this this guy's saying everything maybe. we agree with and then it's only going to be a few who are like, well, Pope Francis is wrong about so many things that this guy's right about, but this guy's not in the church and Pope Francis is the Pope of the church. And so, so it, the devil by doing that can, can drive a wedge and whittle it down to you've got this large, you know, large scale, uh, abandonment of Catholic truth and, and fall into heresy by People who think they're being, in, you know, remaining in union with right. the Pope, but they're really following a, a flawed understanding of what's going on. And then you've got the other people who want to be faithful to the 
2,000 year traditions of the church and they leave the church in order to be faithful to that. And I, I could, so then I could see that the Antichrist we... being on, on that sort of thing. Yeah. Although he, that's you know, why is such we a have person. to accept him as Pope. Yeah. And we can't leave the church even if he's a really rotten Pope. Right. So that's, you know, gotta, gotta watch out on all sides times like this. Yeah. At times like this. I mean, this, have there been any times so weird. quite like this? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the weird thing is, I remember, uh, I, I was probably around 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just starting to learn about church history and stuff like that. And I remember commenting to mom, I said, you know, we live in kind of a boring time. Um, jerk we have you know he cursed us by saying that pope john paul ii uh you know he's a pretty good pope he's not doing any miracles or anything but he's a pretty good pope we don't have any major we've got this this bad thing with the sex perverted priests but you know it's understandable that there's a certain amount of bad people even in the church you can get through that it's not really compared to history it's kind of boring times and and that was only you know a couple decades ago and now look we've got the (laughs) even even the the we've never had anything like this it turned out to be far worse than you thought though (laughs) yeah yeah it was like hey you don't know what you're talking about about to hit (laughs) get hit with some real scandal here we've got False idols in the in the Vatican. In the Vatican, right? yeah. That's the th- see. That's the thing I can't get over, and I don't understand why. Well, some people do make a big deal of it. I that's such a big deal to me because that's look. I hate to say this. That's worse than abortion. Yeah, that was yeah, the number one thing. It is, and is you know it's funny because uh, I think it was last week um, you talked about how. Uh, how God compares um, the worshiping of false idols to prostitution and whoring. And, and oh, yeah. I saw some of those it, passages. He always calls it playing the harlot in the Old Testament. Yeah, I I saw that a couple times when I was looking up other verses today. And mm-hmm. uh, But this is, you know, this is, this is cheating on God. This is the number one thing. And if you can't get that right, you're not going to get anything else right. And yeah. Somehow, we got that wrong. It's insane. Oh well, I uh, I think I'm done talking about everything. Okay, so we've we've done the vegan thing. Except for so, what about other new, your yeah. current events? All right, we've got man, it's kind of a long list here, but they're not. I'll try to go through them kind of quickly. Yeah, because we're coming Tag up on, on two it. hours. What happened? There it goes. So, uh, U.S. Secretary State. Uh, you start that again. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says that uh, the Biden administration is working with Congress to provide $300 million to aid to Afghanistan as we're withdrawing our troops. Um, I guess, you know, we're taking out the troops. The locals are like, wait a minute, hold on here. You wanted help. We gave you help. You promised to protect us from these terrible people. Uh, yeah. These They're who are come back now, in now, right now, 
living in the mountains waiting for you guys to leave. And you're telling us you're going to take the troops out so we have no more protection again. And you're promising to give us a bunch of money to help the situation. Doesn't that sound exactly like what we did in Vietnam? Yep. I mean, we went there and we got all these villagers to help us, promising that we would stay there to protect them. We could not defeat the North Vietnamese. Or, yeah, we couldn't defeat the North Vietnamese. So we finally withdrew, but we said, okay, but we'll give you a bunch of money to protect yourselves with. That's what we did. That's what we're doing now. Yep. That's it. I mean, yeah. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed in Afghanistan. I'm not saying necessarily that that we should stay in Afghanistan. Not, we might maybe shouldn't have been there but, in the first place, but it's it's like the, right, you, you know, once right. you once you make a bed, you kind of have to lie in it for a time. Yeah, or we could have just blown the hell, blown them up, and then left. I mean, and said, "All right, guys, rebuild it." I don't know, or we yeah. could just take Afghanistan and 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 we could colonize. Yeah, that would be the. I mean, I did. That's a bad word nowadays, but no, but yeah, that's we, that's we could have done that, right? Uh, but the well, I don't. Oh, I know that a lot of people are going to yeah. die because it's going to be disastrous. It's a shame. It's going to be disastrous. It's going to be a shame. Um, let's see. Department of Justice will investigate whether Minneapolis Police Department engaged in a pattern or practice of unconstitutional, unlawful policing. I, I, Is this a new thing? Whatever. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's guilty, then then it's not a pattern. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if, it, it, then it, it was he was doing what he was trained to do. If, if it's a pattern, then he was trained to do it, and he's not guilty, but the jury said he's guilty. So, I mean, so the jury found... That, Based on that he was not trained to do, you know, Eric uh, Derek yeah. Chauvin was not trained to uh, act the way he acted, which means that it's not a pattern within the this police force. This isn't a pattern. Yeah. At least not the police so, force themselves are guilty of. Yeah. So, yeah. This that, is... Uh, you know, it's typical liberalism. I mean, co- contradictory yeah. without acknowledging the contradictions. Yeah. Kind of like, Orwell's you know, this, this is why Orwell... In 1984, made kind of a big deal over, you know, that that citizens had to be forced to learn to, they call it double think, to to yeah. be able to believe Except two reality. contradictory uh, facts and believe both of them completely, and and Orwell believed that. I mean, he he. Uh, kind of demonstrated in, in 1984 his belief that yeah. that was a key component of this sort of totalitarian statism. So you're seeing We're it now in training among the here. liberals. Yep, this yeah. is this is yeah. 1984 training ground. About 30 years late, but... Okay. You know. Listen to this headline and then listen to the next headline. They, I just... This struck me as funny. Okay. The United States hosts a two-day leaders' summit on climate and invites 40 world leaders to discuss the necessity of combating climate change and committing to reducing their nation's emissions. That, I mean, the whole thing is just, let's, hey guys, let's waste some time. Where do you, um, but then, are they going to hold this in, in the woods over a campfire? 
I guess so. No, no. Here's here's the funny. Here's the funny okay. part. Due to quarantine protocols, the conference is virtual. <laughs> I don't. The whole thing is. That's so stupid. <laughs> These people. I don't know. The, I mean, okay, so now everybody's saving on this gasoline, and I guess, but it's like, what? You're all going to get in front of your microphones and and do what exactly? What are you what doing? Is, what is? What do you think you're going to accomplish? <laughs> These things are such a waste of time. Uh, it, Idiots. <laughs> oh well. Uh, so there were uh, demonstrations spread out throughout Columbus. Um, after that, that girl was shot by the police officer. The girl that was getting ready to stab a guy? Yeah, despite the fact that it clearly shows she needed to be shot, but mm-hmm. we're still going to blame gonna white demonstrate. police officers oh, for some Oh, you know, reason. the police officer, yeah. I'm sure the police officer made her stab the guy so that he could shoot her or something like that. Yeah. That must be what yeah. the demonstrators are claiming. Yeah. Uh... So the Senate votes forty or ninety-four to one to pass the COVID nineteen Hate Crimes Act. The COVID nineteen um, Hate Crimes Act. What the heck is that? That sounds so. Like this a is nutburger idea. This has to do with the anti-Asian crimes that are being committed. Apparently, the anti-Asian. Oh, you mean I, all I the don't black even people? Know, what does that do? So, if all, you, all the black people you, that are killing Asians, and and this is yeah. going to address that. What does that do? Other, I mean, I, I never well, did understand what. If it's a anti-hate crime, I guess if you commit murder, okay, I, you beat someone up, um, you get say, I don't know, five years. I don't even know what you so get. So here's for here's how up. hate crimes work. If you beat somebody up, and you did it so that you could take his wallet and run, and you get you know maybe three years. But if you did it because you hate them, oh, well, then you get 10 years. That's how stupid guess, this, the whole yeah. concept of a hate crime is like that. If you shoot yeah. a guy in the head, uh, because, you know, out of revenge, because, you know, maybe he, uh, I don't know, slept with your girlfriend slept or something like wife. that, okay, then you get 20 years. But if you do it because you hated him, 50 years or something. I don't know. It's. Oh, well. I, I mean, this is the new. This is what we do. I don't. Yeah, it, it, it's this. It new... seems like there's no escaping it. I don't. I know. Every, everybody's like, and the whole world's this... doing it. It's not like it's like this great. Big it's not like anyone's sitting this out, and everybody wants to jump onto it. Uh, the uh, House of Representatives votes 216 to 208 to pass a bill that would make Washington D.C. the 51st state. Oh man. Now that is so a really stupid idea. It narrowly passed the House, and now it's going to Senate. I, I sure hope it doesn't pass. I don't. I don't know. If, I mean, if they do that, then they've got a bigger majority in the Senate. It seems like a well, lot to go through. But they couldn't when, do it. Congress can't just directly do it. I think it. I, I think it has to go to the states themselves. I, th- I think there has to be other state I, involvement. I don't know. Uh, well, it goes to the Senate. But I, I, know. I don't know after that. No, I, I don't I, know. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a good question. Let me, the let me thing is, they'll do whatever they have to do. I, after seeing the election, I, you're not going to tell me we're safe from anything. After what they did. 
But okay. you know what we can do? We can keep praying. Pray for our country. Uh, NASA Perseverance successfully okay. no, synthesizes... Right. The Congress can admit new states, so they don't need the states okay. to ratify. Yeah, because we've done it before. I mean, there were 48 for a long time, and then we got Hawaii and Alaska. So. The problem is the Constitution explicitly sets aside Washington, D.C. as the seat of government. I know. I know. This is... I, I'm, I mean, I don't know why they didn't go after Puerto Rico instead of... Yeah, they they could have gotten their votes from from Puerto Rico. Oh, well. Uh, Anyway, we have successfully synthesized breathable oxygen on the surface of Mars. Synthesized? Now, I I don't know what that means. Breathable oxygen. Synthesized. What is there on Mars that can be turned into breathable oxygen? Are they talking about taking something with you and using that to, to create oxygen? Or are they talking about taking what's there and changing it to make it oxygen that's what i because it could be like like maybe oxygen is is in the form of you know like like rocks or silicon no, dioxide okay, or something rock, like that but if it was um but i'm thinking rocks or silicon Mars dioxide. atmosphere is 96 percent carbon dioxide and they used a something to separate the oxygen and carbon Molecules, the carbon and and I'm sorry, carbon and oxygen atoms to make some carbon and some oxygen. That's, that's how they the, that's how they're doing it. They're they're separating it from carbon. Oh, for carbon dioxide. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I guess gold is is a catalyst for this. Don't know. They're using something they're calling Moxie. M O X I E mm-hmm. can generate up to ten grams of oxygen per hour. That's not very much. I'm sure we need more than that. It looks to me, I mean, I'm, I'm reading a thing in space.com, and it looks to me like they shoot carbon dioxide at very high speeds against a gold foil, and mechanically it, it causes the two oxygen molecules to come close enough together that they end up binding and releasing the carbon okay. atom to, to run off by itself. The two oxygen atoms turn into an oxygen molecule, and then the carbon atom goes goes away considering that the atmosphere is so incredibly thin to begin with how much are they going to make yeah be able to make from that how much could you yeah i mean to make enough to actually breathe i don't know oh but you could also you know what it's not just for breathing but you can use that to uh uh for fuel i mean you know oh that's right for combustion but you know, if your if your starting point is carbon dioxide on Mars, why don't you just try to synthesize? Why don't you try to find some plants that can grow in a thin yeah. atmosphere and start growing plants? They'll then they'll make your oxygen. Yeah, that would for probably you. do more than shooting molecules at gold. I think gold is just one you example to 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 demonstrate the reaction. Yeah, okay. but you know, still, I you know, try to grow plants. <laughs> Maybe there's some plants that don't mind that it, that the atmosphere is so thin. I am, I am sure that is in the uh, that that that's in the plans and it. Yeah, they've got to be thinking about that, there. right? But they would have to produce enough heat to keep the plant alive, and then it's awful far away from the sun. Mm-hmm. So you know, to to be able to get food 
from the sun is I don't know. It's a it's a tough thing. I I don't. I'm sorry. I don't buy the whole thing with colonizing Mars. I just I don't buy it. <laughs> I, I think it's good that we, we do did, all this stuff. It would be with with materials and supplies, including oxygen supplies and so forth, probably yeah. continuously trans um, transported from Earth, or you know, or if maybe we could find a way to get it from a meteor. Maybe from some some meteors between Mars and Jupiter, or maybe even from some of the outer, you know, because like, you know, planets like Jupiter like and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe they have enough these gaseous planets, Jupiter and Saturn. Maybe they have enough of stuff where you could meaningfully synthesize oxygen, and and then what you can do is you can be bringing those to Mars, or you know, bringing that to Mars. Yeah. Or the or the moons around those planets, yeah. But even then, uh, the distance you're talking about—it's you're closer to Earth than you are to Mars. I know, but you don't want to deplete Earth's oxygen. Or the you gotta listen. Saturn, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stealing our oxygen. Um, oh, there was something else. Let's see. So SpaceX uh, launches a couple astronauts, and it uh, on the. Uh, the Crew Dragon spacecraft. Okay. And it successfully docks with the ISS. Okay. So SpaceX, nice job, SpaceX. has put, put some people in ISS. Into in the, the uh, International Space, Space Station. Yep. The one that's falling apart while Russia uh, built yeah, a new one. Yeah, the Russians one. are going to build a new one that, that they're going to try to be the... It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so they've done the all the analysis from the Census Bureau... Um, let's see, there are 331 million people here in the country. Texas will gain two congressional seats, uh, along with Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon all gaining a seat. Hmm. California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia each lose a seat. Okay. That's not a bad thing. So people are moving moving out of the blue into the red. The problem is... You idiots, don't come and make our red blue. Yeah, they're doing that, though. They are. That's the problem. And so now everybody's going to be... It's like, you know what? (laughs) Recognize that that you're... You're moving out of there for a reason. Why are you bringing your crap here? Don't bring your crap. Recognize that your crap is the reason that you're miserable. Don't bring your crap to us. Yeah, become one of us. Do uh, the... What do you call it when you... Uh, when you uh, immigrate to a place, you oh yeah, um, become um, one of the people. Right, you assimilate. I can't think of the word. Assimilate, assimilate, assimilate yeah. with so, us. Yeah, so you if know, you're gonna, if you're going to be an red, idiot, assimilate red. Yeah. So, uh, off the coast of California, in the Gulf of Santa Catalina, we found somebody found uh, twenty-seven thousand barrels full of DDT. Insecticide. Wow. I wish I could get a hold of that. Thousand barrels. Boy, one barrel yeah. would, would would help us, you know, just keep the mosquitoes. Yeah, down get rid of the something. bed bug problem. <laughs> well, does it kill bed bugs too? It kills everything. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I remember when uh, chloroform went off the market and dad went and bought like a bunch of gallons of it. All he could, I guess. Yeah. But uh, every now and then mom would. Say I, 
I see a, I saw a roach or I saw a water bug or something, and he would spray that, and then yeah, the next day there would be dead bugs everywhere. Huh? You don't mean chloroform. Yeah, I know. It's not chloroform. I know. But it's yeah, just but... one of those other insecticides that have been... Yeah, I do. Chloroform. Chloroform's the stuff you, that, that... it puts you to sleep with, right? Yeah, but it's also an insecticide. I think. I think you mean chlordane. Chlordane. That's what I mean. And I remember Dad having chlordane in the shed. And, and he would say, yeah, you can't yeah. get this stuff anymore. Yeah, and uh, they the the kids, uh, Jason and Bobby, when they were kids, they saw somebody spraying their dog for fleas. So they got the chloridane out and oh, they sprayed gosh. my dog oh, with my. chloridane. How long was he sick? He was sick for like two days straight, just puking oh, nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Poor um, dog. Poor dog. Don't don't spray your dog with chloroform or chloridane. Or chloridane, either one. <laughs> but DDTs work great. <laughs> you know what they should do? I mean, at the very least, distribute it to hotels. You know, under yeah. under regulations. Get rid of and this stuff. bed bug problem. Managers have it. Yeah. Um. This is weird. Federal investigators raided the home of Rudy Giuliani in, yeah, in connection to the. To the uh, that call he made to uh, Ukraine. So I guess claiming that that he was trying to to act as a uh, liaison, a, a official liaison to Ukraine. Um, that's I, I or something. I guess that's the yeah. That's technically what they're trying to, to claim. That. I think they just wanted to ironically get even with Giuliani for all the work he did for Trump. I, I think that's it. And and what's ironic is that what are what they're charging him with is uh, Biden is actually guilty of doing that very same thing in the days after the election, but before the inauguration. Yeah, he was reaching out to other countries saying, and basically starting his presidential interactions with them before he was the president. Yeah. So. That, that same crime, Biden's guilty of it, but they're going after a wash-up like Giuliani. Uh, they're, they're, they're getting even. It's, yep, that's all it is. It's, it's, I don't know. It's revenge, uh, revenge prosecution. It's a shame. And, you know, I, you gotta kinda, here's the thing. I would love to call this martyrdom. Um, but this wasn't really on behalf of God. It was, on behalf of Trump, so yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, in some cases, you might be able to make that you're 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 looking out to try to make the country more God loving, and so you're doing things to try to end evil in the country, like abortion. Um, and so, if they're coming after you, um, you might get some merit out of this, but. Someone like Giuliani, I don't know. As far as I know, he's pro-abortion, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 at least he was. He was when he was mayor. Anyway, so it, it's kind of like I don't know. You, you backed the wrong horse, right? Yeah. For now, I mean, maybe maybe we'll make a comeback. We don't know, but right now, this is the consequence of that. Some people are going to suffer. Uh, that's all I got. All right. Well, I got a few things. Um, so, okay. Uh, 
So, a New Hampshire neighborhood, um, uh, in, in a New Hampshire neighborhood, uh, some people had a gender reveal celebration that was felt as far away as northern Massachusetts. Uh, I guess they, uh, used more than 80 pounds of explosive in this gender reveal. Uh, when the police showed up, uh, to the rock quarry where they were having it, they found a uh, container with chalk and tannerite, something I'm not familiar with. It says it's an over the counter explosive, tar- over the counter explosive target used for firearms practice and sold in kit form. What's a, a explosive target? How, like how much of it did they? Eighty pounds. Eighty pounds. Do you know what tannerite is? Bomb. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's a, I, is I, it something? Is it for in place of uh, black powder or in place of gunpowder? Neither. At least I don't How do you think spell it's that. Either. No, because it says it's an over-the-counter explosive target. Used for firearms practice. So my thinking is when you hit it, it explodes. Oh. And so you know from a distance that you hit it or something like that. I, I That's the only thing I okay. can think. So they were at a rock quarry where they decided that, that it'll be safe if we do it at a rock quarry. Because there's nothing to blow up except yeah. stones. Um, and I guess you know, miles away, people felt and heard it. I don't so know. did they I, find the people? I, oh yeah, yeah. The, the guy who the guy who actually uh, did it turned himself in. Yeah. So. Remember? Do you remember at the gorge? What did we see? It was like a a tree with with kind of what looked like a bomb that had been blown up. Oh no no no! That? It wasn't a tree. It was a um. It was like a standpipe or something like that. It was like like a, a metal pipe yeah. that had been like blown outwards. Like what blew that up? It. I, I probably have a picture of yeah, that some somewhere. Definitely, but, yeah, definitely, I do, too. It was kind of weird just because right it, it was, like, randomly out in the middle of the woods, too. Yeah. And it, it was, was clearly, uh, like, buried in the ground, like, a, like set in the ground. Yeah, it was like someone had buried this thing thinking, we're going to set off this bomb. And the bomb went off, but instead of blowing out everything, it blew most of the stuff up. Something like and that. Kind of, yeah. It did. Hold on. I'm going to see if I. I know I've got a picture of it. I <laughs> I've got a picture, picture but there's no way thought, I'd be able to wow, this is lay weird. my hands right out on it. So we're hiking through Red River Gorge, which is a great place in Kentucky. Um, kind of like a mini Grand Canyon, um, only wooded. And we found this pipe sticking up out of the ground, and it was a really thick metal, but it looked like it had been blown up. So our thoughts are somebody wanted to make a bomb and test it maybe and brought it out there in the middle of nowhere, uh, which is it, it's uh, Daniel Boone National Forest in Kentucky mm-hmm. and uh, blew it up. And years later, there's this pipe sitting there still that uh, look, people would pass by and say, huh, look at that. Somebody tried to blow something Somebody up. Somebody tried to blow something up. I mean, it's, and it's weird because it's like, it's like where it's like blown up. It's like curled around like multiple times. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, what the heck happened? Maybe they, maybe it was successful. Maybe it was a very long pipe at one time. And I don't know. It's, it's a weird little thing. Yeah. But, uh, we have a picture of it. We'll post it on the website. Um, 
we were talking about that because of a gender gender party. reveal 80 pound uh, bomb gender reveal party with something Giant called bomb. tannerite <laughs> but that reminded me of something else oh <laughs> okay uh you know, we grew up making fires at camp, campfires and stuff. Over the years, my dad has gotten older, and he makes these fires in the backyard. We live in the middle of a city, but he's trying to get rid of branches and stuff, so he makes these little fires in a uh, in a one of those he does it in the fifty drum, gallon right? drums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so he puts it in there, and. I guess he's just gotten lazier and lazier to where it's like, instead of starting a fire and then building on it, he'll just throw a bunch of wood in there and take gasoline and just dump it on there and then light it, which is illegal. He could at least use like regular charcoal lighter fluid instead. Yeah, something. But he just, I'm... I'm sitting, uh, I'm I'm in the backyard doing some work once. And you're a big foomp? No, no, no. I was in the house, and I had just moved in here, and I feel this boom. I feel it more than hear it, It, to the point where I saw the window shake. Mm -hmm. What the hell was that? So I go running in the backyard, and Dad's standing there at his little barrel, and there's a radius of probably 20 feet around him, charred black and smoking. (laughs) He was and he's the just standing there like, Dad, what was that? What was what? I, I said, didn't you hear the boom? No, I, I said, Dad, you're standing in the middle of a bomb crater. How could you tell me you didn't hear the boom? <laughs> About five minutes later, the cops show up. Oh, my. <laughs> and the cops say, oh, I'm just having a little fire to burn some twigs and the cops trying to talk to him but dad's playing stupid you know Mm -hmm. and and then like five minutes after that the fire department shows up uh the the fire officer i don't know what you call him who who was there to fire marshal to to act uh i i happened to go to school with the guy Mm -hmm. um during grade school so we knew each other and he he let Dad off with a warning. He said, "Next time, you know, if if I come back and I see evidence of gasoline, and he points to the gas can, he said, I'm gonna have to cite you." <laughs> it was such a loud boom, oh, gosh. and he played like like he didn't even hear it or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just so obvious what happened. It's like boom! It's like, whoops! I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Shouldn't have poured quite so much gasoline in. I don't know what he was doing. I don't understand how he poured that much gasoline in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, why wouldn't you use lighter fluid? It's meant to burn away slowly enough to light stuff. Yeah. Well, gasoline's cheap, and he just fills... I've seen him do it. He'll He'll fill a cup with it, and then dump the cup on the fire, and then light a newspaper and throw that on. That's what he normally used to do. Oh, okay. I don't know how... It I think into... maybe he would throw gasoline and then forget that he did and come back five minutes later and put more gasoline on it. I think maybe that's what happened. Mm. And kept throwing more and more. Because it was... I mean, it's, it's like a bomb crater. <laughs> Why wasn't his hair singed and stuff, though? 
I I don't know because he's because he's protected by God. I guess uh, it's something. I don't yeah. I don't know how he hasn't gotten a ticket yet. <laughs> Danny, he would in the middle of the day he would start one of them fires and then he'd throw a tire on it. I would be driving I'd be driving towards the house in the middle of the day and I see this pillar of black smoke. Oh god. You could see it from like six blocks away. You could see it from the fire station. Shiviet fire station. I don't know how he didn't get a ticket yet. But (laughs) that was the last straw and the fire guy's like, Look, do it again. He said somebody called, they were worried, they said they thought they heard a boom. <laughs> yeah, they they but did hear they a boom. Hear a boom. <laughs> the Shiviet Sh- Sh- is uh, being uh, targeted by terrorists now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn the terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> Old Dan Engel and his and his I don't know his war against civilization. <laughs> Something. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Next one, I've got. Um, a woman, a Canadian woman, uh, Joy Chapman, singer from Surrey, British Columbia, has set the Guinness World Record for the lowest note ever sung by a female. She was ah. able to reach a uh, C-sharp note at 34.21 hertz. Now, I don't know if well, you're, you know, familiar thinking about things in terms of hertz and that kind of stuff. Um... Let me look up something real quick here. D-sharp D what? C-sharp at 34.21 hertz. Uh, but just to give you an idea, if you think of a piano, a, a working piano, a properly tuned piano, yeah, the lowest note on a typical modern piano is 27.5 hertz. So just within a few... Lower key- than the lowest... Really? So, so within a few keys of that, the one she sang was 34 hertz. So just, it's, it's like, uh, let's see, the lowest note on a piano is an A. Key on a piano. No, it's not lower than it, because she sang 34 hertz. Oh, 34 is higher than 27. Okay. So, almost as low as, almost as low. That, that note is an A. If you go one key up, that's a B. The next key up is a C. And then the little black key just up from that, that's the C sharp. That's, she was able to sing that as a woman. Now, so, pretty okay, impressive. So a guy can, can do a really high voice using his falsettos. Is there a falsetto type of thing that happens that can make you low? No, there couldn't be. No, because the, the falsetto no. is, is right, harmonics. That's like a doubling chords. up of your, okay. Yeah. So. Okay. I don't impressive. Well, that's I, cool. I don't I don't know whether the yeah. it would can you be imagine, fun to listen to that, but it's impressive. <laughs> can you imagine being married to someone with that low of a voice? Oh yeah. Well, it's, she doesn't have a low voice. She can also sing very she would high. Not. Oh, does she? Yeah. Well, that's just amazing. I mean, she she you know she sang high, and then she you know she was saying that in her her vocal um you know classes, you, you have vocal trainers yeah. and. And, and typically what they do during a warm up, they'll have you sing along with the piano through some voice exercises. Then like start at a certain point and you'll sing an exercise and then you'll go up, uh, you know, uh, 
a third maybe and sing it again and then up a third and sing it again and so forth and you go up the scale and then you do the same thing going down but her trainers would never go down all the way they would stop at a certain point and sometimes they'd say well we're just going to stop here because you're kind of freaking me out so... Jeez. you know they've done studies and a woman's voice is the 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 how do I say this the average woman's voice and the pitch that she speaks in is the pitch that men most commonly tune out. No kidding. That's interesting. It's just one of those things that, that, is, that is weird. That higher higher voices are easy to to just, to just not listen to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh Let's see. Third item. Couple in, uh, I think it's probably in the UK somewhere. Um, they bought a house un- sight unseen. Uh, I guess they didn't visit the house because of the pandemic. This, I mean, people do stupid stuff in the UK. That is dumb. Um, but anyway, they were kind of surprised. When they finally got to this house, um, they looked at the outside. And then they went inside and looked at the inside and... Things didn't quite seem to match up. Well, they discovered a hidden room. A um, hidden room. They saw a room from the, the outside, like a room from the outside uh, with windows. Two first four rooms, one which converted to office, second which sh- uh, shown to have a pitched roof and a window. But then they're exploring it from the inside. They realized there was no access to the second room that they, they could see from the it. outside. And so they found it had been boarded up. It's got, they yeah, I mean, it's, it up. it's like some, uh, they've got pictures. It was, uh, it's like filled with insulation, but it, there's windows and stuff. And they, somebody could have just turned it into a room. Maybe it's one of those that when they built the house, they didn't want to bother like heating it properly or anything. So they just filled it with insulation and sealed it off. I don't know. They may have trapped a demon in there. Maybe they trapped it. You know what? That actually, it's that like may, that Twilight Zone or that uh, that that one uh, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, the, the Lovecraft guy had book. the the, the one with the tiny one? the tiny frog creature that was boarded up in the, the room. The frog guy that yeah, and the guy ended up eating people. Uh, and and the guy let it out because he didn't un- he didn't heed the warning to leave the door locked or something like that or the door yeah. sealed. These two yahoos just they let just the devil out the on demon. Earth. Well, the fortunately, it's, it's on the other continent, not not on ours. Yeah. Okay. Last, <laughs> got. You know, there's a lot of things to be hit by uh, in Dotana, Dotana, Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, a woman was hit by a turtle that flew in through her windshield while she was driving. What? 71-year-old woman riding, woman riding with her daughter on Florida's Interstate 95 suffered a gashed forehead Wednesday when a turtle smashed through the windshield of their car, striking her, the Daytona Beach News Wait Journal a minute. reports. Wait a minute. She wasn't driving? She she was driving. Oh, she was riding. That's right. She the, was. the daughter was probably driving. Okay, but they were moving. The they car the was car. moving. Yeah. Okay. And a turtle flew through the windshield... My guess is that the turtle was kicked up by another car. Yeah, maybe a big old truck hit it and, and flipped it into the air. It, did they say? Uh, turtle like a crossing got knocked in the air. Uh, I'm looking. 
It was released back. You know, they've got a picture of it. It 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 looks bigger than a baseball. <laughs> well, okay. It's got a picture it's not of a it. Giant like a sea turtle or anything. No, 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 not like one of those. More like the turtles we would find when we were kids. Is it like a box turtle? Yeah, like a See, box turtle. See, when you first said it, for some reason, I'm I'm picturing like a sea giant turtle? sea turtle, you know? <laughs> Somehow no. got airborne. Yeah. No, this is a little fine. box turtle, hard shell and everything, and, and just crashed into the windshield. That, that could hurt someone. <laughs> the woman had a big gash Last in her Last week, it was the deer. That's right. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> the deer flew that. through a window last year. I forgot week, about that. And now turtles. We've got deer, now turtles. We'll have to find out. Yeah, I'll Actually, have to do up the search for flying like a <laughs> animals that Sharknado. crash through your windshields. That's right. Sharknado's next, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember a book when we were kids and... There was a page on it that talked about fish falling from the sky. It was a book about weird events or something like that. Oh, and apparently, I remember a book about that that had yeah weird things like that. It, it was they were all purportedly true. I mean, you could go and actually look them up. Yeah, I forget what it was called. I think it was called Triviatum. It had some. I I used to like read. And it that, did have I, a story I, about that. I, read I that do book remember that over and over again. Yeah, and it had some funky pictures and stuff. I remember one about... I remember one uh, one of the pictures of a tank shooting donuts out of the barrel and soldiers catching the donuts and eating them. I don't know what that was about. But I also remember one of the stories was that uh, uh, an area with fish eggs in it had dried up and evaporated, and wind blew the eggs into the air, and somehow they got into the clouds mm-hmm. and were up in the moisture for a long time, and then when it rained, it rained fish. Okay. Yeah. They said that's really happened. But I I don't know. I, I remember that book from when I was a kid, and I remember that reading that and thinking, oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to find that book, like on uh, Amazon. Would you call it? I thought it was like Triviatum or Triviata, and I'm seeing this thing called Triviata, a compendium of useless information. You know what? That's it. That is that is that is the book because they've they've got a like a, a page view inside, and the, they've got the one yeah. where the guy's being pulled out of the fishing the little fishing boat. Yeah, I if, remember that one. If if you if you were to look at this picture, you would immediately recognize it as oh yeah, that was in there. Um, but so the the book is called Tr- Triviata. Yeah, and there's the with the by with the Timothy Fullerton that was hung upside down. Yeah, a compendium for, uh, of useless information. You know what? I I'm gonna have to give myself a, a copy yeah. of that book now. <laughs> now that you brought that back yeah, up, yeah, I need to get it now. So I, I read that book so many times. <laughs> too. I used to carry it around at school with me, in at uh, in grade school. What what? Um, if you can get it on Amazon. Yeah, you can get. Yeah, it you can on get Amazon. it on Amazon. I will, uh, but where is it? Why don't we have it anymore? I don't know. I don't. We did not have the cover. I know that. No, we didn't. No, I remember uh, it just being a red book. It was a red book. And I but maybe it was in the barn. It's only got one rating. When that burned. Yeah, probably. Um, it's only got one rating on Amazon. Really? It's only a three star. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to... 
give it a five star. Let's rating. see, it's on <laughs> Amazon. I don't know why. I love that book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Um, I used to have another book called Strangely Enough, uh, but it was a book that was kind of along the same lines, except all you know, geared towards like the freakiness and 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 the yeah. uh, little more you know rumorish than than necessarily what you could pin down in the newspapers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it, what I remember is that this book had a... Um, the Strangely Enough book contained a story of somebody who predicted an earthquake and then the earthquake happened and like the only survivors in a certain area were a couple of jailbirds. The Triviata book had the story about the earthquake and the jailbirds surviving it, but they didn't have the element of the prediction thing. It was just weird that the only people that survived this, this were the two jailbirds. And I I remember noticing, I remember reading the ones that, you know, this seems familiar. And I went back to the Triviata book and, and found it. And it's like, yeah, there it is. And the, the two stories were, were actually talking about the same event. When was this? When oh, I was a kid. Oh, gosh, the, the thing was like back in the 50s, I think, the, the earthquake. Something like that. I mean, could it maybe even earlier than that? I've been twenties or something. I mean, Tecumseh predicted an earthquake. Maybe that was, maybe maybe it was. Maybe that maybe it was even older than that. Or that, like people all over the country felt it. They say the Mississippi changed direction because of a short time. Well, I can't find the uh, 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 quick link. reference to it on Google but okay. but if one of us gets that book which I'm, I'm probably gonna see if I can get it um, yeah then uh, we'll, we'll be able to look it up there and figure it out all right we're almost three How hours how did we in. get on that for, oh from the flying uh, flying turtles know. okay flying turtles <laughs> well that was my last my last nonsense news no so that's uh, okay <laughs> all right well folks think about what we said. And and as always, circle the beads, pray for our country, pray for our world, pray for our church. And you know what? If yeah. if, if you want, pray for the Pope. We we. I'm not saying that this is okay as Christians, but you know what? If you want Joe Biden to you know kick the bucket, pray for his conversion. If yeah. he converted, truly converted, he he wouldn't last another month. That would be better because. Kicking the bucket wouldn't help us any because we. You have mean, Kamala Harris. It's not like a, our leadership would change. No, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, and that's why I say it's not okay to wish for that anyway, and it wouldn't help our country. But it, it was just kind of a because I do pray for his conversion every day, and I was like, you know, it would help. A, am if I he praying? Converted. Am I yeah. praying for his death sentence by doing that? It just kind of occurred to me out of the blue that you know. Yeah. So anyway. Well, yeah, because they would kill him. Yeah. But nonetheless, pray for our country. Pray, pray, pray. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.